John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Reading in verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Amen. I want to preach to us, teach to us, However it is, I just want to deliver the Word of God that He placed on my heart. The title of my message is, Love is More Than a Touch. Amen. If we could lay our Bibles down, asking God to give us the help we need in His house tonight. Let's lift our voices and our hands unto Him. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Savior. We worship You. We thank You, Master, for this opportunity to be with the stars of Your Word and the living. And I thank you, Savior. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. If you'll preach with me, I should say, you'll be, you may be seated. If not, I'll come join you. Amen. I've already got the music stand, my eyeball on it. There's nothing on it. Anyone falls asleep, we're going to preach this message together. Amen. Love is more than a touch. The word love has many different meanings for many different people. The lives of all of us vary in our background, relationships, how we were raised, um, the home life we had in the past, and how it is even today. But love has shaped us, and many would say the lack of love have shaped, has shaped many different people. Have you ever met someone who just had hate all over them? And you wonder what got them to that point. What was so difficult in life? And I know life is hard. And I, I my, my, I don't want to get down too many rabbit trails tonight. I've, I've heard so many testimonies of saints standing up and saying, thank God he delivered me from drugs and alcohol and all of the vices of this world. And I, having been raised in church, I promise you that God has kept His hand on me so many times. I look back over my life, and I see the times when drugs was offered to me at work. And God gave me the strength to turn them down. When alcohol was pushed at me and put and ordered for me and put in front of me, and God kept me, it's still my testimony that He kept me from drugs and alcohol. The other day, I made an observation. Someone had made a post about, a specific city that gets a lot of um, bad publicity for how bad drugs and alcohol and how rampant crime is. And they said, look what I just drove through in the middle of the day. This wasn't even at night. This was people walking to and from work, walking through the downtown part of the city. And you had people that were passed out, leaning against a post. And you had people so stoned and drugged out of their mind they couldn't even walk. And people that were just leaning, looking, and gazing off with that 100-yard stare. And you can tell they were so disconnected to reality. It was so disturbing. It just broke my heart to see souls in that condition. It puts a face to when someone stands up and says, Thank God He delivered me from the elements and the vices of drugs and alcohol. It puts a different look on it. It's more than just the suit and tie, Brother Nelson, but it's the look, the gauntness. You see the impact on their body and how they're thinking. You're just, they all hope is lost. And they're vulnerable. And they're laying there on a piece of cardboard. And people are walking with their briefcases going to work. And they're there at the very bottom of their life. And you see how it has shaped them. So the love, love has many different interpretations or different meanings for probably all of us. Love has a depth to it. 
that takes time to develop. And I know there's no young couples here and no young people, but uh, they're all at a conference. And so maybe this won't resonate, but I hope I should have some folks in the amen corner. I don't consider myself old, middle-aged, and I've been around the block a time or two with being married nearly 23 years and very happy, glorious, wonderful 23 years to Sister Golf. Never a dull moment. And she always says I make her laugh, and I don't know, I don't know, maybe I make her laugh so hard she cries sometimes. I don't know if that's what it is, but I don't know. I do my best to be the father and husband that I need to be. But love takes time to develop. And I'll use myself as an example so it makes no one else feel uncomfortable. But as a young couple, we didn't know what love really was. Didn't have a clue. Did not understand the depth that love would take you. There is that richness, that depth to love that those who do not know what true love is will think you're crazy. It's more than just, I'll give my life for you, or don't say anything about my mama, or else it's going to be fisticuffs. But love is deeper than that. And there is people who have never had a loving relationship. Parents, friends, family all walks away, and all they ever knew was the back of the hand or the verbal beatdown that they would get just from without even laying a finger on you, just the word slash deep, and you say, I never knew what love was in my relationship. And as I begin to go through the message that God was preparing in my heart, we think of wedding vows, and I remember back to the day where Sister Goff and I were married, even in this, not on this platform, but the old platform that we had here at the Truth Church, and I remember standing here and looking as she walked through those double doors and the vows that we made to each other. I don't remember them. I can't recall them from memory. But there are things that those vows allowed me to jump off and set a precedent and allowed me to go down a path. And if vows are the fullest extent of your love for your spouse, then they are only just a mere obligation. Because love takes you deeper than sometimes words can even utter, truly loving someone. Love takes the vow and supersedes what we have expressed verbally and allows you to live something that takes you deeper than words, as I said, can even express. That's what love does. Sister Golf and I have gone through many things, and I know we have not been married as long as some here tonight, but it seems like more and more in the life that we live and the people we're around, to be married 23 years is an Olympic gold medal because there's so many excuses of why you shouldn't love someone. And why you shouldn't um, care for them. And there's so many differences that can be agreed upon that why I should no longer care for you. And it bleeds over from the selfishness that has run rampant because it's all about me. It's all about what I get, if it get and what I benefit from. And you have all of these things that people try to compile and reasons that they say, well, if they ever cross that line, then I'm out of here. And there's times where people may get in arguments and say and threaten to, if you do this, I'm walking out the door when it's over something that shouldn't be even uttered. There are situations where those actions are justified. But just because you don't like what was cooked or how the bed was made or just something wrong in your day or how the argument or the discussion is not going your way is no justification for you to utter words that give you that closure and you walk away and you can pick it back up again and 
I've uttered this words. It's not original to me, but someone told me, and I'll say it again. I may have used it, but I'll use it in this situation of they said you cannot find new old friends. And Sister Golf is my best friend. And I can't imagine going and starting over my life without having her by my side as my best friend. And as you grow in life, there are things that you go through that a vow alone never would have allowed us to go through it, honey. But there was love, love. Such as losing loved ones, standing at a casket, holding your spouse's hands as tears stream down your face. Those things cement a relationship when you're standing there helping each other hold it together. And you walk out and you hold them and your family even tighter as you cherish life together. That's what love will do. When your house is burning and all you have is the clothes on your back, and when you walk into a hotel that insurance has provided, and you walk in and you need everything in that room to survive. Love goes right into that situation and gives you strength with the help and the grace of God. And in that moment, you hold your family close, looking and seeing you have absolutely nothing. And the things that you thought were able to escape the fire, once you took it from that environment and you walked into a hotel room, you realized how bad the smoke damage was on something you thought you needed, and you had to walk out and throw everything away, and you had nothing. And as you're standing there hugging your family and holding them, reflecting on that day, you're also holding the hand of a sibling, of a young person, of a young man, that their sibling burned your house down. And you realize love goes beyond blood. You go through situations and love binds you together. You find yourself going through life holding each other after your friends and family have said they want nothing to do with you and I don't want to see you again. You learn what love really is in relationship with a husband and a wife. And your sons and your daughters. The words sickness and in health, rich or poor, seem so hollow when you look back over your life together as a family and you realize that was a good stepping off point, but those words can't even compare to what life truly is like. Love is more than a touch, and our world is so wicked so vile, so perverted, that even a touch is cheap. Even touching is cheap. They have taken and twisted words and feelings and emotions, perverted it in such a way that children going through public school just get inundated with innuendos, and they can't even think a pure thought because everybody has a comeback that's perverted or twisted. But love is more than a touch. Thinking back over the lives that God has blessed Sister Golf and I to care for, we've had the opportunity, I believe, care for nine foster children, two of which we adopted. We've had three biological children that we have brought into this world, and I've seen of my five children, be able to hold three of them from the day of their birth, and the other two within a few short years of their birth. Janessa at, I believe, seven or eight months, and Haley at a little over two years. Hold them and help mold them and care for them. But a baby loves the touch of a mother. But it's more than that. The baby touches the skin of a mother and Mother begins to care for that baby, but it's more than that because there are loving caresses, 
pats, touches, feeling. Because that mama just doesn't hold it in its sterile environment, just hold it rigid. Because as that baby falls into the arms of that mother, that love that she developed over those roughly nine months begins to deepen and richen. And with every pat, every stroke, every caress, every time, rubbing the eyebrows, touching the cheeks, wiping the mouth, it deepens that love for that baby. It's more than the heartbeat. It's more than the touch. That mother has created a loving environment that will hold that baby, and it knows it's safe. It hears her voice, the whispers, the lullabies, and the prayers. Those babies crave that love. There is a dependency that baby has for its mother. And the basics of life are managed by that mother. And that mother will do anything possible within her, within her means that she can to care for that baby. It makes me wonder it. I don't know. I don't, even though it's impacted our family, I do not understand how parents can just walk away from children. I do not understand how they can say, I want more things out of life instead of being a parent. I, it does not resonate with me. I do not understand. I cannot correlate my life experience and say, well, they have a good point. I can't go there. I'm not judging anyone. I just can't understand. I do not comprehend why someone would do that. But here's what I do understand about love. I would not trade the beginning stages of the relationship with Sister Goff with the depth of love that I have for her and my family today. I would be foolish to think that it's more beneficial for me to go back and say, oh, wouldn't it be great to be in your 20s again? Yeah, but I was pretty stupid when I was 20. The smartest things I did was giving my life to God and letting Him fill me with the Holy Ghost. And then asking Sister Goff to be my wife. God puts things together for a reason. And I would never want to go back and so I could relive all the times when it was just her and I. And then when the children were young, I appreciate those times. But now I get to see my children reach out and impact others. I'm seeing a harvest from all the work of year after year of trying to put something into them, and it was out of love. I understand love differently now than what I thought I knew what love was at 20 years old. It's totally different. It, you don't understand what love is as a young person. It's like trying to see the picture looking through a kaleidoscope. It doesn't make sense. But when you're a little age, and you got a little bit of years behind you, have some experience, you look at it, and you realize it doesn't have to make sense. God knows what's going on. He has everything in control. He's brought us together for a reason. All things work together for the good. To those that are called according to His purpose. And when God puts a family together, He puts His love on them. When God pulls an individual out of the world, He puts His love on them. And you're never the same. We call it young love, as I mentioned earlier. And I've even uttered it myself just recently and said, you don't know what love is. It's just an emotion for you like someone. You don't love them. Let me clear the air for you. You only like someone. The world has taken that, and love really has been cheapened with one-night stands and hookup.com and all these websites and apps that make it so easy to throw away that virtuous part of you. And love has no meaning. So when souls walk into an environment like this, they begin to feel the love of God. And they may feel and they should feel the conviction, but it's not judgment. It's God's love. I'm 
pulling you. I care so much for you that I want you to feel my presence and I don't want you to stay the same. Love is more than a touch. How does God feel about love? From God's perspective, Calvary has always been a finished work. Even though we look through all of the pages of the Old Testament Scriptures and how there was a people that served God and how they made Him mad and how He would judge them, and it didn't matter. Calvary was still going to happen. And Pastor done a beautiful job. I think it was last Mother's Day, I think it was, where he talked about all of the ladies and all the adversity they went through to still bring the lineage of David all the way down to where Jesus could be born. And how the devil fought every which way he could to make them barren. But God had a plan. It was going to happen whether the devil wanted it to or not. God so loved the world. There had to be a son flesh, Jesus Christ. That's how much he loved us. He had to let the fleshly body of Jesus be born so that it could be sacrificed for our benefit. That is what love will do. The Bible says he was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. In Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ was that lamb, foreordained, picked, chosen, this will happen. And from man's perspective, this was an unfolding drama of the work of God. They heard the prophecies. It was spoken of in the Old Testament Scriptures. They were living their life with anticipation, waiting for the promised Messiah to come. And God ordained it from the very beginning and says, I'm going to send a sacrifice and I will dwell in that earthly body. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So therefore, the cross has always been a dumb deal. It was a prophetic event of the future. But while we lived and mankind lived, it was a current event that was unfolding as generation after generation made way for the Messiah to come through the lineage of David and be born. It was something that had to happen. Looking at our text... Growing up several years of my life through grades 5 through 9, I heard this text quoted so many times. It was unreal going to a Baptist school, hearing them quote John 3, 16. We had, it was every Wednesday, I didn't have the Holy Ghost until I was 16, and every Wednesday they had chapel. They would have someone come in and teach, and the end of the chapel service was trying to get someone to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And John 3.16, and they would jump over and go through a bunch of scriptures in Romans. They called it the Romans Road. I remember one time they said, hey, we're going to give... All of the people in the school, if you can complete Romans Road, if you can write it down and turn it in, we'll give you extra credit and you'll get whatever extra time at recess or something. Growing up as an apostolic, I gave it my best shot because I wanted whatever they had that they were giving away. And believe it or not, I, I didn't get Romans Road right. Because I tried going through, we didn't have the interwebs at the time. Encyclopedia Britannica didn't do me much good. World Book didn't do me much good. I'm trying to find out what the Romans Road was. And so I failed. And so I was one of the few 
going to a Baptist school. Well, they all went out and done their thing. Hear me sitting there working away because I didn't get false doctrine right. But in John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoso believeth him, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God had each of us in mind from the very beginning of time. God planned the ultimate act of love out before we even knew who he was. Calvary hadn't happened, but God speaks of things as if they were. Bishop used that scripture this past Sunday. But you'll notice in John chapter 3 and verse 16 that the emphasis is that God so loved the world that he gave a sacrifice for all mankind. God put on the flesh of Jesus Christ to feel what we feel, to hear what we hear, and so many other aspects of life. But in that act of selflessness, he loved those around him. He knows and experienced what it was like to love the people around him. You see that there was reference in Scripture of the disciple whom Jesus loved and he gave miracles and walked and ministered, not because he was trying to lift himself up. He was Jesus Christ. The man was walking here on earth because he knew there was a message that had to be preached. He had to show love. He had to be love. He had to do everything he could to convince this world that God is love. The love of God was already the ultimate reward. The initial act of salvation is just the beginning of your life. And we see so many people stop at the ceremony, the vow to serve God. And the relationship falls apart. Because they think, just because I had a God moment, it will keep me for the rest of my life. And pastors use this example many, many, many times. And I'll use it in a most simplistic form. But the relationship is more than just the wedding ceremony. That's not a marriage. That's just the ceremony. And you can't get caught up of, look at me, I have got baptized in Jesus' name, and God filled me with the Holy Ghost, and my life is forever changed. And those are 100% accurate statements but you have to take it more than the vow. You have to live beyond the ceremony, if I could say it that way. You have to go beyond the early stages and the, the Bible study that kind of bridges you and you say, well, I'm a new convert or I'm a young believer. And let me tell you, you have to get a hold of something that is more than the vow you made because you'll forget about that eventually. And if you forget about it and don't do anything about it, the love of God will be distant from your heart if you don't get a grip on your relationship with God. You'll find that He begins to get further and further and further away, but yet He hasn't moved. We have to keep reaching for Him because it has to go further than the vow. There are people today, and dare say in apostolic churches, not in this one, God forbid, that are living for God on vow alone. And that's all they have. That is all their walk with God equates to. But love, love is more than a touch. Living for God is more than just that one touch. Living for God and sacrificing and praying and, and man, I need to do better. Reading your Bible, I need to do better. Witnessing, 
I need to do better. And being that part of outreach, I need to do better. But it's more than just that vow of obligation. Living for God, that love runs deep. And you'll find yourself at that point in time and you say, God, I'll go anywhere, do anything, and I'll minister, I'll live, whatever you want. God, you give me direction, and I'm going. That's when love's starting to grow and blossom and burn within your bosom. And you say, God, I love you. Have you ever had someone tell you that they love you and you didn't believe them? Where they're just like, you're like, I love you, man. Yeah, yeah, I love you. Oh, okay. We love each other. No, because there has to be an emotion with it. There has to be an action with it. There has to be, we truly do love each other. In Ephesians, Paul writes a beautiful passage of Scripture gives a perfect example of this in, in Ephesians chapter 1 and 4. It says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, the Bible, the gospel message, all is established all throughout the Old Testament about loving one another, caring for one another putting one another first. But there's a love that we have to do, and that is to love our Savior. It was His expression of love that prompted Calvary. It's because God so loved the world, Calvary was planned. God wanted a bride that was without blemish. And in order for that to happen, there had to be a sacrifice. And He chose to be that sacrifice. That is what love is. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It is because of his love for us that he wanted us to be sons and daughters of him. He chose to sacrifice himself through love for our benefit. Before we even knew we needed to be a part of the church, the bride, capital C, church, the bride of Christ, He chose us to be His bride. And when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're a part of the bride, the church. And you didn't even know He knew who you were, but He knows who you are. Because the Bible tells us that from the very foundation of this world, he says there is going to be a church. Now when you read this in Ephesians chapter 1, don't confuse that with predestination of I can get saved and sin, I was selected, I was defined from the very beginning that there would be someone named Douglas Kaiser Goff and be an apostolic and have truth. No, the predestination, there will be a bride. It's upon us to be a part of the bride. That's Bible. People saying that you were chosen and you can live however you want to live and still be saved, a once saved, always saved. That is not Bible. It's false doctrine. You're jumping into the lake of fire with a life jacket that will not save you. Because just because you're in your mind you're okay doesn't mean you're okay for eternity. But God chose us from the very beginning. I'm reminded of a story that was relayed to me. And I've possibly used this example several times. So for the sake of those who have not heard it, bear with me. There was a minister friend who lived on Prince Edward Island. And he had someone come visit him. Took him over to... Anna Green Gables, and I have been there myself with my family. Sister Goff's grandparents lived there for many, many, many years, lived and died on the island um, 
Several years ago, they passed away, so we were able to go see them. And so I've been to the exact place, and I've seen what happened personally. And as this brother was taken, the visiting preacher there, they walked through, and the visiting preacher engraved in one of the trees. says, Charles loves Vergie. He loves his wife. And engraved it in a tree, and you walk through the farm and the homestead and all that they have, you walk through what they have there. And the story that is what Lucy Maud Montgomery, I think it is, wrote, they made it real. You go there and you walk through. And I walk through and over all the trees is hearts and names of couples. And this man begins to share this story. And he said there was a time that he went to a place in Ohio and there was a couple that had been doing business with him for quite some time, and he mentioned that there was, he'd been gone for several months, and the lady had lost her husband, had passed away. And so he explained what had happened when he was up in Canada on Prince Edward Island, and she says, you know what, there was a time where my husband told me that he loved me before we were even dating. And he had confessed his love to me and told whoever wanted to see it that we were in love. And she said, prove it. And so the husband went, got his wife, they jumped in the old pickup and drove out to the park. And there on a tree, he'd engraved how he loved his wife. Even before they were dating, engaged, and married, but he had put on that tree, Oliver loves Ruby, with a big heart around it. He was that confident that he was going to marry that lady, that he went and put it on a tree. I think of the scripture when I go through that story in Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, there was a time when God put my name on a tree. Jesus loves Douglas Gall. And he put it there. And you know what he did? He put your name there. He put every sinner's name there. He died for the sins of the world. He put every sinner's name on the cross of Calvary. And then he let his blood wash over it. The promise was solidified, put in stone. His word is forever settled in heaven. That means he will never stop loving you because he confessed his love for each and every one of us long before we even knew he existed. He said, I love you. 1 John 4.19, we love him because he first loved us. That's our love story. Love is more than a touch. It's not an accident. It's not illicit. It's not sneaking around. It's intentional. God loves you. God loves this world. He loves you right where you're at right now. The love of God is more powerful than anything you can ever imagine. It's so powerful. His love is so powerful that it washes away the sins of the world. Don't let it just be about you. It's about the world. And his act of love was so selfless that the world has not stopped talking about it for thousands of years. And it's just begun. Because we, the church, we're going to talk about his love for all of eternity. That's how deep and how meaningful his love is. 
Because when God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see what He did there? He jumped to the end. He jumped to the depths of His love. You will have everlasting life. What I like is, He didn't say that you will have a salvation experience one time in your life. His love is to bridge you from the initial salvation of baptism in Jesus' name, being filled with the Holy Ghost, and speaking in tongues as the evidence. His love bridges you from that first occasion to eternity. That's how strong His love is. He's saying, we're in this for eternity. He's taking the ceremonial step that you took and saying, I'll meet you in eternity. I'll give you the strength you need. I'll give you everything you need to make it through life with my love. It's so selfless. And if you have not experienced the love of God, I invite you to the conversation because God wants to tell you He loves you. He cares for you. I look back over my life and think of all the times that God has kept me. It's because He loves me. It doesn't matter what your life looks like right now. God loves you. He gave you a promise that He would never leave you nor forsake you. That promise still rings true today. And it was at the end of the Great Commission that Jesus told His disciples that He would be with them. In Matthew 28 and 20, teaching them to observe all things. Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That's what love does. It goes beyond the ceremony of, I love you, Jesus. And then in that service, pastor, preacher, whoever it may be, say, did you feel something different happen tonight? Oh, yeah. I heard myself speak in a language I've never heard of, and I feel so clean and pure, and that's all beautiful. But don't stop at the ceremony. You have to grow in Him, and He has to grow in you. We look at how do we benefit from the promise. It's by obeying exactly what Jesus and the apostles taught in the book of Acts. Jesus said baptism is essential. Mark 16 and 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's a definitive promise. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Jesus again said in John chapter 3, he said there's a requirement to be born again. He said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's given you conditions to give you that step into love that will take you into his kingdom. Because his kingdom is without end, without compromise, without a loss. Every battle is won. But there are conditions upon which of those he calls. Luke chapter 5, verse 32, I came not to call the righteous, but people like Douglas Kaiser Golf to repentance. The people like you to repentance. He didn't call the very best of this world. He called those who would answer his call. The sinners. We need him. I need him. Luke 24, again, Jesus speaking in verse 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. It was so important that Jesus said it in Luke chapter 15 and verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. One sinner repenting is more important than 99 that I'm holier than thou. 
Or that's a good message, preacher. I just don't need what you're telling me tonight. You do. If you want to please God, you have to go through repentance. If you want to be acceptable unto God, there has to be repentance. It's something that you have to do. It's your vow that you have to take. You have to say, God, there is nothing in this life I want more than you. How do you think it would be if you're, I'll use my life, for example. If I had held on to a wallet full of pictures of my girlfriends and said, Sister Golf, they're all, they're all old flames. They don't mean anything. I love you. And she would say, why do you have pictures of them then? Well, just for memory's sake. Okay, so who do you love, them or me? But they're, don't worry about them. They're just friends. I'm friends with them on Facebook and Instagram, and they're just friends. Bible gives us clear instructions. To please Him, you have to walk away from everything. Everything. There's a song, I will give you all. All that you could ask of me. And you think of this and you say, well, all is not conditional. It doesn't have an asterisk. All means all. Love is more than a touch. It's more than just knowing someone loves you. It's feeling their love. It's when God picks you up and holds you in his arms and says, my son, my daughter, welcome home. That's love. And he holds you and says, I know the world around you is just pure chaos. But let me introduce you to my peace. And he speaks the word peace. Just as he did to those waves. Peace, be still. I haven't come tonight to try to analyze or judge anybody else's relationships I'm not trying to bring and malign anything, anything negative against anybody's personal relationship with God. I'm just here to tell you this is what God wants. These are His conditions, not mine. Because we've known and we've read the Scripture, and you know what? You're probably going to hear this every service. But in Acts chapter 2, they were asked that question, what does it mean? What do I have to do to be saved? There were no conditions of you can keep those old girlfriend pictures in your wallet. You can keep those letters. Oh, they're just for old time's sake. You can keep them in your closet. He says, I want all. Just the other day, my mom brought me a box of things. And she says, there's a bunch of stuff in there from your teenage years. I've just kept it. You can have it. I don't know. I just had it in my garage. Oh, cool. Go through it. And I find letters. And in my innocence, I seen where God was actually protecting me because there was nothing wrong written in the letters. But there was people trying to woo me away from truth. There were girls trying to get me to go their Baptist way. And when I read them with my adult eyes, I truly then seen how good God truly was. He kept me. And I looked at that and I said, I had no idea. I didn't even have the Holy Ghost. I walked over to a trash can and threw every one of them away and said, God, you kept me. I don't hold on to those things as a trophy and say, God, you kept me. No, I don't even want to give place to the devil. Those are letters that my mom read and there was nothing wrong with them. But when I read them years later, God showed me and said, you see what I kept you from? And chills went over me. Letter after letter, I had no idea. But had God not kept his hand upon me, I would not be here tonight saying love is more than a touch. Because I would have bought that cheap fruit. And I would have regretted it the rest of my life. And there was a time when I said, what do I need to do to be saved? And I heard an old-fashioned preacher get up behind a pulpit as a young man and put their crooked finger, my grandfather, 
Didn't have all his fingers because he's a meat cutter. I don't know if he was good or bad, but that's just telling the story. And he didn't have them all, but he would point what he had left at us and say, the Bible says, repent and be baptized. God was telling me, this is the conditions for my love. And guess what? The love gets deeper and richer and fuller. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I heard it said so many times, and this promise is for you and your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I believe the love letter from Jesus so much that I wanted to live this way so I could take him at his word and say, my children are going to see this as well. And their children are going to see it as living proof. God keeps His promises because love is more than just that touch, that buzz, that chill. God wants to change your life and make you like Him. Can we stand this evening? If we could. I know I preached many different ways to sinners, to saints. If we could, just take a moment. I'm not calling you, and I know there's a time and place for it, to go back and evaluate your first love. You know, take me back. Show me what you did for me. But I want you to evaluate where you're at. Do I feel the love of God today? Has it got deeper, or is it still the same? Because I promise you, if you've lived beyond the ceremonial vow, God gets deeper, richer, fuller. And your life just blossoms because His Word is forever settled. Can we take a moment and just find us a place to pray? Find us a place to reflect upon our own walk with God. And let's talk to Him for a few moments on this Tuesday evening. Let's talk to Him.